the Gospel of Mark and chapter 8. This morning, our text will be found in verses 22 through verse 33, Mark chapter 8, 22 to 33. I'm glad to see every single one of you here this morning. I didn't think anyone would be in the first service, to tell you the truth. You, you've got to come back at noon, so make sure you arrange um, your schedule, your lunch, whatever. Looking forward to seeing every single one of you back on the new property at 12 as we have an amazing day to celebrate all of God's goodness and grace. And there is so much of God's goodness and grace all around us. We just sang that song, Amen. Do you know what that word means, Amen? It means, so be it. In, in a sense, Lord, so be it. Let, let your plan, His plan, happen. Every, every, we've been watching every single leaf that turns, every single leaf that falls. There's one who's in charge of all of that. There's one sovereign God who reigns and rules over everything. And you realize that you're 30 minutes closer to meeting him than when you walked in this building this morning. You and I, every single one of us, will stand before the one who reigns and rules over every star that is in the sky and every speck of dust. We will stand, every person will stand before him and you will hear what? You will hear either enter, come, come, or you will hear depart from me because I never knew you. And what, what lies at that at that intersection is the message that we're going to look at today. And we have got to get this. We've got to get this. I am excited for where we are as a church as far as just pressing further into the community. But we, we have what? We have the gospel before us this morning. We are confronted with a really challenging, difficult part of the gospel that we've got to be able to hold and grasp and understand if we are going to what? If we're going to be able to introduce others to the sovereign God who says, come, come, and to be with me. I, I am thrilled with this text. I'm terrified at the same time with the text that is before us. And so we need to pray first and foremost and dedicate this time to the Lord and ask for his help, his guidance, as we stand before him, as we open up his word to us, and, and hopefully our ears to hear what he has to say. Let's, let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, we come before you, and Lord, we stand before you, and we recognize who you are, and, and we recognize your authority, we recognize your supremacy, we recognize your perfect plan, and that your perfect plan is going to be unfurled. Father, as we sing amen, may we understand what we're echoing, that 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 it's your doing and, and not ours. Father, as we wrestle through everyday life and it is a wrestling match, may we understand the importance of holding on and grasping and holding tight to the full extent of the gospel of Jesus Christ that flies in the face of literally everything, literally everything that we're hearing today. 
And Father, we, we need your help. I need your help to hold on to that and to live in accordance with the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, I love you. I, I love this church. I love what you are doing in the midst of this body of believers. Father, I would ask that you would give to us clear voices of truth, that you would give to us the ability through your spirit to love others and to love one another. And may it be evident, Lord, that you are Lord. You are, you are in charge. You are the head of this body. Father, please, please, please guard my mind, my mouth. May you be glorified in these few moments together. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen and amen. <clears throat> okay, you, you do this all the time. You punch in the address that you need to go to in your little smartphone. GPS and, and it gives you oftentimes an option. Do you, want, do you want the easiest route? Do you want the fastest route? Or do you want the scenic route? And what, what I have found is that there are few moments, they're far, okay, in between where we hit the scenic route, to tell you the truth. Because we live in a world, okay, where there's these phrases that, that, that we are confronted with all the time we we are living at lightning like speed okay how many times have you heard this you can exercise for only eight minutes a day and look like this okay we hear this stuff all the time that there's the easy route through life it's only going to be five easy steps it's only it's only three easy payments it's only 19 dollars a week everything is available to us and it's quick and it's easy. There's easy access, easy on, easy off, even cleaning your oven. This is an easy thing if you use easy off. Everything today is in a sense promoted and presented to you that what, you can cook meals in minutes. No work to this. This is easy. Get a college degree, no sweat. Punch a few buttons and you get this day surgery we can operate on you we can have you back on your feet in one day they don't tell you that your head will be in the bucket <laughs> but you'll be on your feet we we're fascinated we're fascinated with just give me the easy way the immediate and the instance and there's something that in a sense we're buying into this sense of what immediate gratification little efforts Little pain, little work, little cost. What happens is that we take that thinking, dangerous thinking, we wrap that into the message that we have, we, we exist to promote the, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what happens is that we, we soft pedal the greatest message that is ever, that has ever been told. What we're going to do here in this text, we, we return to the Gospel of Mark, and we'll see how far this thinking, how foreign this quick, easy route is when it comes to the ministry, and specifically when it comes to the mission of Jesus Christ. 
I think this text terrifies me in a sense because it is often referred to as the high water mark. It is the pivot chapter. It is the hinged text of God's story that is delivered to us. We'll read it in a moment. We'll see it's primarily divided into two sections. Verses 22 to 26, Jesus heals a blind man partially at first and then fully, completely. And then verses 27 through 33, and Jesus has a conversation. With, with Peter and with his disciples, and he reveals for the very first time that there's no such thing as easy, not, not when it comes to the truth of the gospel. reason that this is so important, so significant, is it settles the matter, not only first and foremost, who Jesus is, the Christ, the Christ, the Son of the living God, but also what Christ must do, what he must do. And this is what we miss. This is what I miss on a daily basis of what Christ, that one that, 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 that we love and that one that loves us, the one that you love will be bloodied and beat and whipped and mocked one must die first. Verse 22, Mark chapter 8. And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought him a blind man and, and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand. And he led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, he said, Do, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I, I see people, but they, they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His, his sight was restored, and he saw everything, everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Jesus went on with his disciples on the villages of Caesarea, Philippi, and on the way, he asked the disciples, who, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And, and others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who, who, who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell, tell no one about him. And he, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And, and he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. We, we, we read the text, and we explain the text. Here it is. Um, Mark is the only gospel that shares this first part of the story, the, the one where the, the blind man is healed, but healed kind of partially at first. Point number one, I want you to hear this. Jesus heals a man 
from suffering. First idea of, as far as diving into this text, kind of wading into this text, I should say. Jesus heals a man for suffering. This is the only time in all of the Bible, the, the only gospel that talks about this particular miracle. What is similar here is that there's all kinds of things that are repeated. If you remember from Mark chapter 7, there was the deaf and the mute man. And it says that friends brought their friend that was deaf to Jesus. Exact same thing is happening here. There's friends that are bringing this blind man to Jesus. Same as Mark chapter 7. It says as well that they begged Jesus to help them. Exactly the same thing. What's interesting is that Jesus does, again, the same thing. He leads them away from the crowd of people. It says what? He led them out of the village. And I thought, you know, those villages are small, and it probably was several hundred yards at, at, at most, leading him out, and perhaps as Jesus has his hands on him because he's blind, he cannot see, maybe he's talking to him. Asking about his family, he's listening to him, he's building relationship with him. We know that Jesus is not only with the blind man because the disciples are still there. They're always following. In verse 27 later it says, and Jesus went on with his disciples, which means that, that, that the disciples never leave Jesus. They rarely, if ever, leave his side. And again, what is similar to Mark chapter 7 is that Jesus does this through, through spit, breaking every hygienic and sanitary rule that would ever be out there. It says that he spit on his eyes and laid hands on him. And then Jesus asked him, do, do you see anything? Jesus is God and he knows everything and he sees everything. He knows the answer. The guy responds, he says, well, I don't, I, I see men, but they're like trees that are walking. He sees, it's not clear. He's not have, having perfect vision. And Jesus touches him again. It says he lays his hands on his eyes again. This time, he saw everything. He saw everything clearly. As students of the word, we immediately begin to ask questions. There's several questions. Does, does Jesus have like a bad day here? Are, are, are healing eyes more difficult than healing ears that we saw from Mark chapter 7? Was this guy's case a particular hard case? Absolutely not. Luke chapter 1 says what? There's nothing that God cannot do. Jeremiah 32 says, is, is there anything that is too difficult for God? It's a rhetorical question. No. He, he reigns and rules over everything. So what is happening here? Why is, in a sense, a partial or a gradual healing? What's happening? Is, is this for a reason? Everything that Jesus does is for a reason. Is there significance to it? Yes. Was it, was it a sign? Yes. Was it for a lesson? Yes. Was it for this man? In all honesty, as I was examining, I don't think it was entirely for this man. I think it was for the group of guys, the disciples, that were with him the entire time. I think there's a very specific lesson that Jesus is teaching his own disciples that as it's a gradual process for this man to see, it's a gradual process for you to understand and see clearly who I am. 
If you recall, just a couple verses earlier, we saw in a week or two ago, it says in verse 18, Jesus asked them, having eyes, do you not see? In a sense, they've been following Jesus around. They have eaten what? Miracle after miracle, bread after... They've heard message after message and lesson after lesson. And they've not... Some perhaps even sitting here at this very moment, many people know about Jesus. But they don't know don't know him Jesus in a sense is what he's gradually clearing up their vision so that they see clearly and they know him first and foremost that's what he wants secondly Jesus reveals that he will suffer for all of mankind first of all we saw what that Jesus heals a man from suffering and and then secondly Jesus reveals that he's going to take it he will suffer for all now we know it we've been following two plus years two plus years the disciples have been following Jesus around at this particular time it literally is only a few months until Jesus will die and suffer on the cross, be buried and rise again. It's only a few months from now. And now, now what is happening is I read this week, it's what? It's exam time. Did you sit in in class at times and teacher says, take out a piece of paper. It's a pop quiz. And you're like, well, I didn't study. Well, that's the idea. We're measuring how are you doing and gathering and gaining what you've been hearing and learning and understanding. This is exam time for the disciples, and there's only two questions on the exam. They're almost the harder ones, aren't they? There's only two questions. Jesus is asking question number one, who do people say that I am? Question number two, who do you say that I am? Peter, who is, I want to say, the kind of self-proclaimed leader at this particular point. He's the spokesman for the rest of the group. He, he automatically speaks. He's the kid. Oh, 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 you know that one? Oh, 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 I know the answer. Please, please. And Peter answers, and he gets the answer right. He says, in response to question number one, who do people say that I am and and, and and Peter says, I tell you what, people are all over the place on this one. We've heard everything from they think you're Elijah, they think you're John the Baptist, they think you're some Old Testament prophet. They're, they're literally, they're clueless. The bulk of the, the people, the majority in this world, who do they say that Jesus is? In a sense, what? Peter is saying they are completely blind from really figuring out and understanding and knowing who you are. Now, now, to be honest, what is happening even here with the disciples is they begin to understand the person of Jesus, but they do not understand the purpose that Jesus has to fulfill. They understand the man they don't understand the mission. And so, so when they begin to say that you are what? The Christ. You are the Christos. You are the only one. It's Savior. It's Messiah. We know 
we know, I know, that you're the one who can save us. And this is like a, a lightning moment. The bulb goes on and there's, there's, there's angels that are singing, wow, we get this, we understand sacrificed. Uh, the, the, the way, what? In order for there to be salvation, who, who hears something and, and they don't like what they're hearing and they stop their ears, no, no, don't tell me, I don't want to hear anymore. And that's kind of Peter's response here. He actually argues. It says that he rebukes or I should say he attempts to rebuke. He is upset. <clears throat> we see that Jesus responds here, and he says this, but turning and looking at the disciples, he rebukes Peter. Now, is the rebuke solely for one person? No, I, I, think, it's, I think this is for everyone. He sees them all and speaks to Peter, and it says that he rebukes the word is epitomeo. It means to denounce, to express a strong verbal correction. Could I ask you here a question? Have you ever been rebuked before? And this is not like, um, yeah, excuse me, that's the wrong answer. Could you put your hand down? That's not, that's not what we're talking about here. I, I've, I've been rebuked. Boger, shut your mouth. Sit on the end of the bench. Sit down. You have nothing to say. And, and it's like what? It's like, oh, this is not a moment that, that we write home about. These are teaching moments. We remember the time. We remember the tone. Peter is rebuked here in the firmest way. Why? Because he doesn't recognize. Matter of fact, none of the disciples recognize None of the disciples see Jesus. What? The messianic ruler of God's eternal kingdom who has come to suffer and die, and they don't see it. Not only do they not see it, they don't want to see it. So what Jesus is doing is he's beginning to pull back the curtain and says, you need to see this. You need to understand this. This is going to be hard for you. This is different than the way that everyone else thinks. In order to win, you've got to lose first. In order to live, you've got to die first. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't float. Now, if you recall from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, Mark chapter 1, we launched into this. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel and saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, which means what? The kingdom that God is, 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 is establishing is going to be revealed over a period of time in stages. And this is one of the stages where the pull, curtain is pulled back and you're getting a glimpse as to what is going to happen here. They were taught Isaiah 53 and somehow at this moment they completely missed it. There's strong language here that speaks about the Messiah that you just said. He's the Christ. We know it. We know he's the one to save. Words like despised and rejected and stricken and smitten and pierced and crushed. Strong language. It says, with his stripes we are healed. And what is happening here? Peter is caught in the very moment, in the presence 
He, he doesn't look back to the past of the prophets. He's not looking forward to the promise that Jesus has already established. This is what's coming. This is what's coming. He's caught just like you and I in the middle of I like it here. I like it easy. I like you with me, like right here. And we're like hanging together. We like get to do dinner together. And this is really cool to be here, like right now. Jesus is like, no. No, it's not that easy. This is not going to be fun. And that's why he uses perhaps some of the strongest words that he speaks. When he says what? Get behind me, Peter. No. Peter, in a sense, is being influenced. Jesus actually says, get behind me, Satan. Matthew, in chapter 16, which records the exact same event, all three of the synoptic gospels record this event, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew records it like this, you are a stumbling block. You are a hindrance to me. Literally, it translates, get out of my sight, Satan. And Jesus steps back and he sees all. He knows everything that's going on. And he knows what Satan doesn't want. Satan doesn't want him to go to the cross. Why? Because it is at the cross that ultimately he will be utterly defeated. And Satan knows that. Satan is, in a sense, influencing. And even what? He is a master. He says he's the old serpent, the father of lies, who can tempt and twist and distort into this thinking that there must be a quick, easy solution here. Go back to Genesis in chapter 2 with the fall, and Genesis in chapter 3, where, where Satan, in a sense, whispers to Eve, you're not going to die no it can't be that difficult same lies that are communicated to you and I this is this is really going to be fun and light and easy no no it's not it's not I, I am an eternal optimist if it if it leans one way the dark or the right I'm always going to lead to the bright side there's great news here but even in that good news there's bad news that someone has got to die. Someone will suffer. Someone will be bloodied and beat because that's what a Savior does in order to save us. So what, what, what is the phrase that Jesus speaks? He says, you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. It is, it is an indictment of Peter. Peter didn't want the cross. The disciples didn't want the cross. Man's way, our way, my way, Satan's way, a path to glory and blessing and power and success. What is without suffering, is without pain. There's an easy way to it. Just, just do whatever you think. Five easy steps. No, 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 no. God's way. God's plan, God's path for blessing and power is through suffering. Now, what we've got to understand is that that suffering was for us on our behalf. 
There's no greater love. There's no greater love than someone who's willing to lay down their life for another. And that's, that's the essence. Now, what's interesting here, although Peter has a very, very strong, I mean, he gets it. He gets slammed. <clears throat> Later on, it says this in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 21 and 22. P Peter fully grasps this. This is after Jesus has died, after he's been buried, after he rose, after he ascended back. The Holy Spirit has now descended and filled Peter. Peter, what, sees it. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. You've been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. He suffered... And so will you. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's got to be an easy route to this whole church thing. No, no, actually, you, you hold on to the full truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. You go into battle. We've been following all of us. I've been watching especially close. The events of, of the retaking of the city of Mosul from ISIS control. About, about 46 kilometers from where our son Seth lives and ministers, about 20 some miles. And Seth has built a, a relationship with a number of the men who are in that battle, Peshmerga they're referred to. They're, they're Kurdish militia fighters. And, and you'll hear in the news, you'll hear a lot about these Peshmerga. And who are these guys? They're the, they're the ones leading. They're, in a sense, the, at the points. I was reading an article this week that that word Peshmerga actually means this. Those who face death. Peshmerga in Kurdish. Those who face death. I actually listened to the testimony of a Peshmerga soldier this week. And he said, I'm willing to die so that my family... And my country can be free. And I thought, wow, he, he gets this. And that's, that's exactly what Christ displayed for us. That he is willing to lay down his life so that we can live. Now we, we are what? We are commissioned as stewards with this message. And as we now offer that message, we fall into, as long as it's easy, as long as it's not going to cost me anything, as long as it's not going to keep me too long, oh, we're four minutes over right now. That, that's, the way that we, that's the way we maneuver. And I'm telling you, gang, we have got to understand this. This is not going to be easy. You look around us in this world, and it is falling to pieces there are people, I've heard it recently described, that there are millions in our country that are, that, are, that, are, that are just about to snap. Enter ones who know the truth. Who, 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 who know what? How the story ends. Enter those of us who live every day with a renewed hope and a reminder God's mercies that are new every single day. That, that regardless of how difficult, regardless of how dark, there is an amazing message of one who loved us enough to take the, the suffering that we deserved, lived a perfect, sinless life, a perfect little lamb chosen from 
all the others, the only one without any sin who was willing to die so that we can live. May we understand that message. May we understand the fact that Jesus suffered on our behalf and that at times you and I are going to have a moment of suffering, but it will be well worth it when we, Lord willing, hear what? At that moment, enter. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, how we long to hear those words. Father, we love you. We know, Lord, that we need your strength. The only way that we can ever do what you've called us to do is by surrendering entirely and by knowing completely that, that, that you, took, you took the pain that we deserve. And we rejoice in that. God, help us, Lord, to to not look for the easy way, the quick way, the fast way. Look, help us, Lord, to look for the right way. To understand, Lord, what it means to be truth-tellers, ones who offer hope, ones who model love, ones who extend grace. And may you get all of the glory as we seek and strive to be obedient. We ask this in Jesus' name.